0: RPG Pop Club! RPG Pop Club! RPG
1: Pop Club! RPG Pop Club! Yeah! Hi, I'm Philip Shokoloff,
2: And I'm Sarah Nicole.
1: And this is RPG Pop Club. Each week we play a Star Trek tabletop RPG adventure, and then we review it.
2: Today we are playing... Orion Ruse. Yes.
1: Yeah. We are joined, <laughs>
2: it's
1: we really joined by one of our players, Aaron. Wait, this guy again?
2: <laughs> this guy.
1: Aaron, are Oh. You
3: there? <laughs> that's,
1: that's right, something. Trebek.
3: Your mother's a whore. <laughs> I think that's a uh, double rest in peace for those two right there. Rest in peace, Trebek, and also oh. yours truly. Didn't me to bring it dad. down y'all i know i know i know yeah oh, man dude we can cut that out though right topical yeah. no no it's good <laughs> pop culture reference oh this year is the worst yeah uh, thank y'all for having me again i'm excited to be here this is uh well Aaron.
1: Uh, i saw know me.
3: right here in the uh, rpg pop club studios we're all looking
1: anxiously at the um at the the ratings as they're coming in the real-time ratings so you better not <laughs> Screw this up, man! Every time.
3: I know. I'm trying. Minutes, I'm trying. And then we just
1: lose viewers left and right.
2: Viewers,
3: listeners. Yeah. <laughs> dear listeners, support us.
2: D- dear listeners, we love you. We,
3: we love you so much. Just so like, like I loved episode. your mother last night, <laughs> oh, <God. laughs>
2: right off the bat. Oh, here God. we go. We have. You came here for sophomore humor. You're in the right place. Okay. Yeah. We have so much to
1: cover tonight, though, you guys. This okay, we're going. We're a doing. Jam packed episode.
2: <laughs> this is
1: Orion Ruse, published by FASA in 1984, written by Patrick Larkin. This was Patrick Larkin's first module for Star Trek. Um, I think he wrote a couple others, but um, but this is definitely his major one. And he went on to be an author. I think if you look up his website, he writes books of all kinds. So. Kind of a superstar. And like I said, there's a lot going on this week. We watched um, The Cage as our episode. Classic. Great episode on many levels. Um, Perfect intro to the idea of the Orions, right? The Orion slavers, the Orion dancing girls, that whole life of uh, kind of trade and piracy set us up real well for that. Any thoughts on The Cage, guys?
2: Number one.
1: It's
3: number one. Yeah, it was the original. That's right. Um, and yeah, just uh, a, an interesting, like, alternate take on Star Trek, you know, like this idea of, like, Captain Pike and everything else. Like, I don't know. It's, uh, like, you know, it's Star Trek as it could have been, as it was in an, another universe, another, like, concept. It really helped
1: with the immersion. I remember hearing about Captain Pike and the cage, long before I ever was into Star Trek. And it was just like, huh, you know, it just made it seem like so much more of a, um, of a deep universe just because it was, it was, it was more than just like there was one captain and one ship.
2: Mm, that's a good point. I like that. I think the sets are terrible.
1: Really? Yeah.
3: I disagree. I disagree.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, hard pass.
3: well, it's, it's I pretty mean, I, basic looking. It, it, I mean, I, I, yeah.
2: That elevator mm. thing. I don't know. The door. That opens up in the rock. Oh, my God. But it doesn't mean I don't love it.
1: They built everything from scratch for that episode. The ships, the costumes, the guns, uh, the sound effects, the musical score. Um, it all started there. They had a huge budget for a TV pilot. Uh, unprecedented. Uh, Lucille Ball basically believed in them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, and I think, you know... The, the the sound stage that they were on it, it seems like it has a good depth you know what I mean when they're on the planet you get a good sense of like the alienness of the planet the the ambient sounds the the native plants yeah it's the a little basic
2: cool. I like the plants
3: it, it's just it's it, b movie it's just B movie and that's okay for what yeah. it is. For what Get it out. is, it's totally all right. It's and it's perfect because you know, obviously, building on it, everything that we have in our imaginations and our future experiences with Star Trek, like, it's more than what it is to us because of what Star Trek means to us, and that's awesome. But like, just looking at it as its own thing at the in the moment, like, it's hella B movie, and again, that's okay.
2: Again, it does not mean I don't like it. Right, I love it. It's like today we ate a really trashy pie from McDonald's. Was it good for us? No. Nope. Did we split it in half because we thought we might die after eating it? Yes. Was it worth it? Hell yeah. Would I do it again? Absolutely.
3: <laughs> the if if a, if a right. McDonald's apple pie was filled with like ideals about you know a future uh, post scarcity you know, um, you know, uh, civilization, spacefaring, you know, like maybe yes, that would extend, but, um, yeah, yeah, for sure. That's exactly, like got, that's a perfect analogy.
2: I feel like I got pie in my mind and it's okay. I'm just saying sometimes things mm, that
3: pie.
2: aren't that great are actually amazing.
1: Anytime Sarah Nicole talks about pie, the charts are, you know, the lights are just <laughs> lighting up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Uh, we we can't we don't eat any sugar anymore or grains. So today we went cray. Yeah, we just like, went for Everyone it. Everyone knows now. They're not supposed to, me. and they all what? And to. I don't eat nice things.
1: No, no, no one's don't. supposed to eat sugar.
2: God, it was so worth it. Okay, anyway, I so, love this episode. I the think-
3: point. Yes. Well,
2: yeah, yeah, I'm, this I'm this not supposed to great. eat
3: paint chips either. But come on now, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you gotta live a little sometimes.
2: The cage is great. I think it's an important episode to watch for the rest of star trek canon right it comes up a lot in a lot of different a lot of different like series i guess right it's referenced a lot it's referenced in discovery we just saw it referenced yeah right? the reboot
1: movies that pike is there and then in, the, in the discovery he's there and yeah I feel like we um, can talk
2: the... about it in enterprise. No, okay, you want to talk about real things, fine. I know we have a lot to t- t- cover. I'll stop digressing about Pi. I just wanted theory. to
1: go into um there's a there's kind of a a fantasy that he has in the episode of that he's a a trader captain and they're like, you know, you're trading in in green Orion slave women. He's like, well, I mean, not necessarily, but maybe. So he's been, just been to the Rigel system he has all these these things that have happened to him in the Rigel system. The Rigel system, as I imagine it, is just this like this wild west. It's almost like it's like um, Firefly lives in the Orion system, but plus like all kinds of wacky aliens, and um, uh, and so it really paints a cool picture of that. I think that that like he could have been, you know, he could have left the service and become this just like this pirate and gone to these opulent palaces where he's reclining and drinking and, and like buying and selling women and they're dancing, you know? Um, so this is a great episode to set up for this uh, module.
2: Sure. I mean, all Perfect. of that's incredibly problematic that that was his fantasy, but we can go, we can table that for a minute and go into the fact that it was, it, so is. Cool for it is
1: problematic, episode. but also, um, I mean, he, his portrayal is just so, like, he's unlikable, the guy who plays oh. Ca- uh, Captain Pike in that episode. He's just kind of, like, angry and shouting at people all the time. And you just don't, like, really get to like him. And, and that really, um, uh, William Shatner really cures that. You really get to see everything from Shatner's point of view and, and really see into his head in, in, a much, uh, in a much better way.
2: He is unlikable. What an excellent point. I hadn't really thought about that until this. I knew I didn't like him. I, I like number one. Like, oh, yeah. She's cool. I love her. Yeah. She's wearing pants. Killing it. Really killing it. Yeah. Um, I felt a lot for the chick who was there in the episode. Uh-huh. I, the ending was super thought-provoking. Mm-hmm. Like, like, would you leave? Would you stay? What would you do? You know? Cool. I don't, it brings up a lot of things that too that like um, the thing uh, I'm using my words the thing when it turns on and oh no it's gonna explode. help
3: <laughs> the thing <Like> a bomb. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> oh, pie, <man>. pie
2: pie pie <laughs> it's been a long day.
3: Pie was introspection in it and no just I, I guess future exploding bomb of- thing.
2: There's a lot to the episode. I know it was a pilot. I know they spent money on it, but there's a lot to unpack. They
1: built the Enterprise for this episode, not the real ship, but they built the model, and just an iconic model. Um. So anyway, let's move on. We can always touch back on stuff from the episode. Listeners,
2: I apologize in advance. This is gonna be. It's gonna be her, like multiple like, like, time.
3: Her like thinky bit and her in her top body part is a little. <laughs> not good today we
1: um, so we were prepping our recap for this episode and there was a ton of very entertaining audio for this one so I just want to make a, a little plug to our listeners if you're ever thinking about giving a dollar to our Patreon uh, is it one dollar Eric or two dollars what would give them access to our subscriber only exclusives like listening to the full audio of this of this uh gameplay? Whatever it is, go on our Patreon and do it for this one. Because... Here he is.
3: Here he is. Producer Eric. Let's hear it. His dulcet tones. He's unmuted oh, I'm now. I'm looking.
1: I'm looking.
4: Hold up. There we go. Whatever. A a dollar, we're $2. Dollars? It's bit. worth we're, we're gonna $20. We're
3: going to cut this part in, but we got to hear from Producer Eric. His beautiful voice.
1: <laughs> we, left, we left some great bits in in this recap that you, you're about you to can, hear. We can but, hear the um, full gameplay audio for $5. All All right. That's just the pay Lieutenant the five dollars, nice. just this once, and go in there and freaking listen to all our, our audio. Because for this episode, um, we want you. We want to get to the review, um, so we had to leave a lot on the cutting room floor. But um, this was freaking hilarious. And we'll kind of choice like, bits
3: in here. Yeah, yeah, this is good stuff, folks.
1: Aaron monologues
3: galore. Oh uh, my gosh, fashion but you can never choices. get tired of. Yeah,
1: yeah, we had to cut some of it. Um, uh, cool combats and like adventure and and all that
2: stuff. I had this idea that I ran by producer Eric, where I think we should make an episode or a bonus episode, or maybe put it on our Patreon, of just a compilation of all of Aaron's monologues. Back to back.
3: <laughs> oh my god! <laughs>
4: what do you, you think? Be a stretch goal, so I don't have to listen to all there's of his some, monologues.
3: There's some real stinkers in there, but uh, yeah, right. there's some there's some decent ones too. Yeah. We
1: should have, like, a Fireside video of Aaron like with, with like, little spectacles and, um, you know, a bathrobe. I love spectacles. And, like, reading yeah. his monologues back. That's right.
2: I mean, all right. Do you want to talk about the episode? Yeah. Since I, digressed again? I,
1: I have a few more things to talk about before we get into it. Okay. Um, it'll be hard to see where the Freeform play ends and what is actually in the module. So, guys, remind me to, you know, if you have any anything that seems unclear, like bring it up or, or remind me to go over that later. Because um, it was just kind of seamless. So the stuff that you guys made up, some of it's probably obvious. And, and some of the stuff that was actually in the module might not be as obvious. Um, so there was a lot going on. We mix characters from multiple crews in this module. Um, so we have characters from the Trader crew, and we have characters from the Starfleet crew, from the from the Cody um eric do we have a like landing party clips for this or do you just want me to go over what characters we had uh just go over the characters that we had i don't have a landing party clip for this one okay so guys um let's uh also i also want to add a lot of the uh, the starfleet characters had pseudonyms because they had their uh made up character names so we'll hear some clips from that in a minute but just real quick from the traitor crew, we had Andre playing uh, Petrenko, so he's the captain of the Vera. Uh, Karen, who plays Zossima. Aaron, uh, who plays Jorn, the demented freak, um, the Orion med scientist. And Dave, who plays Afa Al, who is a uh, Capellan. Um, and then from the Starfleet crew is uh, Sarah Nicole's to Prue, the Vulcan. John playing Rocco Solano. Ava playing uh,
3: Jensen. And Eric playing Laurent. Okay, do we do we need to uh, list their like uh, their pseudonyms? Uh, that that'll
1: come up real soon. Oh,
3: okay, we got we yeah. got clips of that. All right, yeah, we got that.
1: Um, brilliant, so fun. Okay, there was an additional breaking of the format due to the fact of uh, well, something really interesting happened at the beginning of this session. Lieutenant Dupree achieved the rank of lieutenant commander. So, Sarah you actually had more XP than Dave's character, Lieutenant McDonald, who had been the assigned commander of the scout vessel, Cody. Uh, Because in our campaign, a lieutenant can command a Hermes-class scout, but a lieutenant commander can command a a destroyer, a Saladin-class destroyer, so she was offered a command. And did you accept?
2: You know I did.
1: But what shall be the name of the ship? Oh, this is so exciting.
2: I rolled a seven. So our ship's name is Saladin.
1: Wow. The Saladin.
2: The titular ship.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah, baby. titular. Ooh, yeah. Saladin. Indeed. But Tapru was not actually aboard the Saladin yet. So now let's hear the captain's log.
5: Good news, there is no Back. Captain's Log on this
1: ship. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Dree. I meant Commander's Log.
2: Commander's Log, stardate 7313.1. I have been tasked to determine if there is a pirate base, a hostile government, or even a Klingon presence on Darrow's Four, an important trading hub on the Orion frontier, along with Lieutenant's Laurent, Jensen, and Rocco Solano, I have taken passage aboard a civilian trading ship, the Vera, captained by our former shipmate Petrenko, and his unsavory crew. Operating undercover, we hope to recover a missing Starfleet operative, Thorn, uncover any unsavory activities on the planet, and rendezvous with my new assignment, the Destroyer USS Salad.
1: Andre. Yeah. You, sir, are the captain. You guys have, like, uh, in Firefly, they take on passengers. Taking on some passengers to get a little uh, uh, extra money. Oh, we have these guys as passengers?
2: Cool. Uh, um, this is my sister, and we're looking for a guy who left her preggers. We're trying to find him.
4: And I'm their cousin. Yeah. Oh. I'm the cousin brother.
2: And that's <laughs> <laughs> That's my crew. That's the cousin's brother.
6: Uh, I'm Steve Rogers. Pleasure Steve Rogers.
2: Uh-huh. Eva. <clears throat> I'm Peggy. Yep, and I'm Natasha.
4: I'm uh, I'm Bucky.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> nice to meet you all.
1: All right. Hopefully our audience is clear who's who. Hopefully you know people's voices,
3: but yeah.
2: Yeah, we all picked it's Captain like- America names. We were being nice to John.
3: It was perfect. Yeah. This is yeah. and I like how a cousin and then the cousin's brother. <clears throat>
2: we we body. didn't come up with any like cover story, and so we just came up with it there and you heard what organically happened. It was perfect.
1: It was. So it was your, your story for why you were looking for a Klingon,
3: which was your mission. You're landing. There's a starport. Is it more like shining steel and glass or more like kind of well-worn and a little bit run down and patched together? It's uh, it's more on the run down
1: side. Um, Perfect. But there's definitely, but then there's like, um, oh, here. I'll show you. There's, there's kind of like, a, it's got an Arabian Nights feel to it. So you do have like palaces, like domed palaces and minarets and stuff like that. Um in certain areas, so there's like the super shiny, like pearlescent uh, palaces, and then there's like rundown, um, shoddy market districts, and that sort of thing. Perfect. It's not a super super highly populated planet, but there's definitely specific areas. You guys would know. Yeah. Um, uh, all of you would would know just from what you've. Uh, I'm sure you've done some basic. Um, research on this planet, that the planet is controlled by five families, um, five, like, Orion families. Yeah. And and the ones who are going to be <laughs> really important to this mission are Karov and Karos.
2: We were greeted at the port by a customs official from the Karov family. We paid the usual bribes and tried to scope out some info.
0: Might you have any recommendations on lodgings in the city? Some of us have particular tastes that must be sated in
1: port. <laughs> uh, indeed. Um, yeah. Well, there's the uh, the high market. High um, market. That's the, the, uh, the. are you getting this legitimate trade? Ah. Um. It's on the plateau, looking the starport. Pardon me for one moment. Awful. Can you write?
0: I can. Ah. Uh, I wonder sometimes with your brain. And that's somewhere. Um, offer all, not all. Yes, well, so one suggestion is the high
1: market. Yes, in the high market you may find some um, reputable houses, and in the, the shadow market you may find some uh, less reputable establishments.
2: Petrenko, zosima and jorn explore the spaceport control center where they arrange a meeting with a trade representative of the caros family
3: can i just say really yeah. fast before this audio clip i'm so sorry Do to it. interrupt uh i love your use of pearlescent as we landed philip that was just brilliant oh. I, I just that that caught me before i was like oh, pearlescent that was spectacular
1: since i said we yeah. were going to point out what was from the module and what you know just kind of happened that might have been from the module one of the many many things this module does well it has great descriptive text which i love i like reading descriptive text
3: i love it i also want to just note for our dear listeners here that uh i made this decision that orion would respond better to a fellow orion and so uh i just sort of took over uh you'll you'll get to experience a little bit more of that as we go along here, but I kinda didn't ask for any permission. I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna be I'm gonna be the Orion in charge here and just uh I went for it. Um yeah. Yeah. It's totally just an in character decision. We know. Absolutely. Yes, we are looking to
0: establish trade relations with uh, worthwhile partners here. We are interested in bringing high value, excellent quality electronic from the federation to families interested in purchasing and distributing them here. Uh, Today, for instance, in our hold, we have high-quality replicators as well as microprocessors and computers, uh, logic boards, circuitry, fusion injection manifolds, Mm. all kinds of wonderful federation technology. Please have some sari and brandy. Again, I brought this as a gift.
1: Ooh, very nice.
2: We
0: also happen to have this letter of introduction that we would like to offer for you. Is to Well, why did you say so
1: in the first place? <laughs> uh, we were saving the best for last, of course.
0: It's Ooh. customary in our culture to do the exchange of gifts first.
1: Uh, it there's a cargo manifest on, uh, included on this letter of introduction. He gets very excited and and he says, Well, uh, let me just uh, make a quick call. <laughs> and um, I'll you um, my friends. Ha <laughs> ha Keros himself has invited you to dine at the Keros Mansion in Daroskelar. Uh, if Carol's family aircar is de- being dispatched to take you to the city, it should arrive within the hour.
5: Oh, we noticed there was another ship uh, of the
1: Federation type parked uh, nearby. The vessel is named the Illusion. Oh, I'm afraid I, I can't tell you anything more, my friends.
6: A little more brandy?
1: You're cur- that's, George, that's a good I point. Don't... You've given me this brandy. Oh, Indeed. delicious brandy. You know, I just remembered the Illusion carries a cargo of Federation-made high-tech goods. Although they are not all manufactured by the same company, the captain and mate of the Illusion have been invited to dinner this evening as well. That'd Excellent.
0: Any other good plants we can check out while we're waiting for the air car?
1: I, I have oh, a Darossian uh, fire plant. How about that?
0: Fire plants? I'd love to
6: check that out.
1: Yes, yeah. be careful when touching it. It can cause a terrible rash. That's that's Karen's whole shtick. She's a biologist who likes to collect exotic plants, and then they come up later in the episodes. So she she got uh, a fire plant, and uh, we made some fireflower jokes about you know Super Mario Brothers, and then she also got a cactus, some exotic cactus. Uh, well anyway, the crew got ready for the party. Uh, they described their extravagant outfits in elaborate detail. I think it was about 10 minutes of that. And then <laughs> Why um, do we
2: include it?
1: <laughs> I, I, I I mentioned well, we're trying Dear to cut it down.
2: Let us know if you want outfit details in like upcoming podcasts because I think they're like the most important thing. Also, I have to give a shout out to Karen because she really holds down her character the whole time. She keeps mm-hmm. everything on track. She'll like bring us back when we've gone really far off. She's just like she will be like, here are the points. This is what we're doing. This is my character stuff. I'm giving it to you. She's never dicking around. She's always right there in it. And she's great. I love playing with her for that. Sorry. For sure. Shout out she also
3: dived she also dived right in with that, like, oh, in, in our culture it's customary to give gifts oh, first. You know, like right? damn, That's Constant yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. How, how yeah, all the time all the time yeah,
2: solid improv from karen like it
3: was really very good.
2: impressed I mean, and it's not just this game every game we play with it. Yeah.
3: but just in terms of the outfits mad shout out to the patreon where you can get access <laughs> oh to god. the full uncut audio where we spend all of that time uh really just going on that tangent and it was delightful
2: <laughs> oh my god right. okay. we want to give it to
3: you <laughs> Yeah. Uh,
2: what else I happened? It's well, not that
3: much. You know, it's a couple coffees, maybe. It's not a lot. Well, anyway, uh,
1: the the air car arrived and whisked them off to their party at the Keros Mansion. Wait, what did it do? Whisked them off. Whisked them off. Whisked them
3: off.
2: <laughs> whisked. Cool whisked them off. <laughs> whisked, whisked them off. <laughs> just,
3: just trying to find a way to work cool whip in there, but uh, you did it better. Rocco <laughs> noticed
1: (laughs) that that some some
2: components of the air car
3: components
1: of the air car appeared to have Klingon manufacture Klingon!
6: Like, hey there, how's it going? I like your ride, it looks nice
1: You know, we purchased this air car from a dealer in the low market of the Bazaar His name is Irva The view during the flight is spectacular, you guys Daros' bright sun sinks below the horizon behind the car lengthening the enormous shadows cast by the razor-edged mountains below
2: That was beautiful.
3: Not me. me. Razor edged mountains. Yeah. Love it. That's
2: why this gentleman is now a successful author because of these beautiful descriptions.
3: Poetic.
2: I feel like I'm there.
3: We should have had him on this podcast instead of me. (laughs) God.
2: I'm sure he would be interested in coming on this podcast. I've
1: I've reached out to him uh, and I haven't heard back yet.
3: So (laughs) we'll, we'll keep working on that.
2: Ghosted, full on ghosted. That's fine. I'm sure he, he would want to talk about that. He's
3: small. I can't wait till we get the cease and desist from him on that. <laughs> oh,
2: <no. laughs> what is his name again?
3: Patrick Larkin.
2: Patrick Larkin, if you happen to be listening to our mom and pop shop podcast here and enjoying our review of your module, please come on our podcast. We love you. We're trying to make nice. you famous
1: for like a whole other side of your oeuvre, Mr. Larkin. <laughs>
3: dear oh listeners if you, want you to happen... be known
1: for serious historical fiction but like come on
6: this is serious <laughs> Do, too.
3: dear listeners if you happen to know uh, Patrick Larkin or just <laughs> who he is in general please send him uh notes no, uh, about this podcast oh, so that he can listen to it and uh, hopefully get in touch with us tell him we have a worshipful review for That's the why, I mean hey don't give anything away spoilers
2: tell but him so, I'll make him a pie.
3: <clears throat> so far, we have appreciated his his uh, darn near poetry in this module. I am yeah, that- going
1: to break tradition right now, you guys, and and dun, give you a dun, foretaste dun. of how I'm going to vote on this uh, on this module. Oh, what i I'm going to give.
2: That sounds dirty. Well, I'm.
1: I'm <laughs> I'm between a 9 and a 10 on this one, you
3: guys. <laughs> wow.
2: You're giving your warp score now. Yeah. that's it. I, I, Everybody
6: that's can not just not stop the final listening answer. for the
3: review now. My God.
2: I guess we should go. Bye.
3: Well, thanks, folks. Let's run the credits.
2: <laughs> well, well thank you yeah. for listening.
1: <laughs> so pay attention because this is great stuff. <laughs> There's <laughs> a lot of names and a lot of twists and turns in the story, so I'm not sure how much will come across, but You know, you will be entertained.
2: Dear listeners, if you're still listening, we appreciate you. Anyway, the crew arrived at the Karos Mansion. It was beautiful and exotic with gorgeous marble architecture and tapestries and music and dancing.
1: There were more um, wonderful descriptions of all that stuff in the module, which we did read. And the cover, it's a full wraparound color. So 11 by 17. uh, It's like pencil art beautiful. It doesn't quite sync up with the description of the module, but it's so evocative. There's a green Orion dancer, there's Orions of all different colors, Tellarites, Andorians, humans um, reclining around a, an opulent table with pillars and and uh, hanging sensors and stuff like that. Super great cover. I don't think we really talked about a lot of the other covers in the modules, because they haven't really been exceptional. This one, fantastic. And there's an assassin in the background and some sort of like... Uh, yeah.
2: We'll put a picture up on our website. Hey, Philip, is the artist credited?
1: Uh, Yeah. It is. Um, There's a... Not on the inside, but there's a, an inscription on it. Giberson. G-I-B-E-R-S-O-N. I'm not sure who it is. Funnily, he's not uh, credited on the inside uh, in the credits. but
3: Or she. We'll look into it, dear li- uh, listeners, mm-hmm. and we'll put that information on the website.
2: Or we'll just Google it. Yeah.
3: Know. Uh or or we'll we'll go on.
2: I no, we'll we'll figure it out. Maybe in this podcast we'll know so when we it
1: we're at the party. Oh sorry. One we're of the servants the... announces the announces you guys in a in a loud voice. The honorable traders, Petrenko, Zosima, Jorn, Awful, Natasha, <laughs> Steve Rogers, oh. Peggy, and Bucky. <laughs> God, I, oh, they ring a <laughs> gong.
6: I mutter under my breath that's Afaal Romador. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, his name is Afaal. <laughs>
1: <laughs> at the party, they met Imri, the lord of the Keros family. They're treated to an elaborate supper, and there was some fun storytelling. The Hancock incident was lovingly retold. And an exquisite dance performance by Caros's green Orion slave woman.
6: Corrigan is she is lo-
1: available for purchase? Available for purchase? Mm, well, uh, no, I, I don't think so. But uh, we can certainly add that into the negotiations.
2: Present also were two humans, the competitors from The Illusion, Solomon Kane and Jack Corrigan. Karos dismisses them after dinner and takes Petrenko and Zosima to a private chamber for trade negotiations.
1: Yes, don't let the doors hit you on the way out. Uh, Let's see. According to your letter of introduction, uh, TransSolar demands free landing and repairs on Daros IV. I have no problem with that. So let's move on to the two uh, remaining clauses. Excellent. What is your offer...
5: So, 10,000 units cargo per year um, at a premium of 45% above market.
1: 145% total, yes? Correct. Here is my counter offer, my friends. I will purchase 1,000 units at um, a 50% market value, not 150, 50. How about 3,000 units and 55 uh, percent? The units
5: are looking, are starting to look good, my friend. Just as good as your green lady friends over there dancing. Nowhere near as good <laughs>
0: at looking as that. Not isn't
5: in here. No daggers, though. We want daggers. Um, <laughs> but the price is really lagging. Uh, the cost of, of bringing. Cargo here is uh, is immense. Okay, so it would be a big stretch and a big waste of fuel for us to only carry seven thousand units all the way here. I think for the loss of of tonnage, we would have to maintain our price at at least one hundred and thirty five percent.
4: Yeah, yeah.
1: Hmm. My friends, my friends, you would truly cheat me and beggar me. You would make all of my family, my large family, my poor large family starve. You truly starve. have no interest you in our a, well-being.
0: Got more food grown out there than I thought was possible in a desert. You'll never starve.
1: Without any uh, in, increase in technology, the other families will take advantage of us. Oh, this is so, so sad.
2: So we wanted to give you an idea of some of the trade negotiations that were going on. I'm going to be real honest. When all this is happening, I think I might've gone for a snack.
1: Yeah. You were gone.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Don't, like uh, this kind of stuff is not for me, but they did a great job. Um, Petrenko and Zosima dug in and did some, Passionate and very entertaining bargaining for about five minutes, and a lot of progress was made in the negotiations. But no agreement was reached that night. They all headed back to their ship.
3: Jorn uh, pulled uh, pulled Rocco Solano aside and said that to him. Can
0: we say it? So, Captain America, are you here looking for Starfleet criminals or Klingon pirates? Don't act so surprised. Your acting skills leave something to be desired.
6: But no, I'm here to deal with this Klingon that got Peggy pregnant.
0: Have a little more brandy. I'll be nearby,
4: always watching and waiting. You just need to follow anything that's a Klingon lead we're following is we got to
0: find this deadbeat Klingon. Yep. Uh, yes, yes. Oh. Uh, I know what you're saying, but as Orion, I can smell true pregnancy hormones, and your colleague here <laughs> is not that.
2: What? <laughs> Peggy, are you telling me you're not actually pregnant?
6: Should- what? Why what? What? did you bring us so along, Peggy?
2: I keep I, I, I not <laughs>
6: do this to me you know the
2: kind of emotional stress i'm under i can't i can't I, you're supposed to be my family and i don't have anyone else and here i am six or so months pregnant with the child i don't even know and just i can't believe you i have to go
1: so Jorn then launched into a, a an epic villainous monologue about how he saw through it all. He saw through the Starfleet disguises, how he did all his research and and uncovered all their true identities.
2: While you're monologuing, I'm going to neck pinch you.
1: To prove successfully neck pinched Jorn, which gave the rest of the players some time to open up about their goals and strategize a bit. But Joran eventually came to... Goddamn horseman left me upside down in my
0: bunk, knocked over half of my experiments.
3: <laughs> all right, he comes running out. Um, <laughs> his uh, his, his robes Love. are all askew. I'm gonna Easy try to uh, do. Jorn is gonna try to stab to Prue with his vibro blade, Petrenko
1: and um, uh. Shoot, I forget your real name, Bucky. Laurent? Laurent. 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 That's
2: why you want to pate. Um,
1: and Afaol. And um, you guys uh, come between the fights. I think three people trying to stop a fight between two people is going to be successful.
3: Can you roll to see if someone just gets, like, you know, cut by accident on the off chance? All right. I will roll to see who gets cut. Someone's going to get cut. John, you take 13 damage. I died. Fuck.
6: <laughs> I hope you're happy, Aaron. Yeah.
1: Well, and I you. I, I hope you. the Vulcan you is happy,
6: Rogers. You jerk. You did. You killed me. How does that make you feel? I hope you feel guilty now.
3: I don't. You know why? Do you remember that time you killed the uh, my <laughs> guy by yeah, hitting him in the say, dick?
6: Is, is this uh, revenge for for, uh, yeah. for yeah. the uh,
3: That's right. Yeah, open hand hit me in the penis and killed me. So <laughs> this is what you can.
6: Uh-huh. Yeah. It took, me, it took you several years, right? But you finally four, got your took revenge. Me like
3: a decade, but I'm finally getting my revenge.
5: Your fucking character is under arrest. You can't murder people on my ship.
0: We are not in Federation Space.
5: <laughs> I don't give a crap. This is my ship, man. You're going to your, your your bunk, and we're locking it up.
2: So can we see if there's any miracle way to bring him back to life through medicine? Well, oh, we could try to play with some of that
0: fire plant cutting that I've got. Maybe the rash will burn hot enough to wake him up.
2: <laughs> yeah, you guys. Deep cuts. I don't know. I feel like there should be some explanation of some of that.
3: I'm laughing so hard right now, and this is just brilliant. Oh, man. We're, we're, yeah. We're gonna to have to go back in time and record all our
1: our game sessions from our D and D game of Yore, so we can offer that up on the Patreon, so that people can then get all our in jokes.
3: Oh yeah, D- doing a doing a history of Andorra's box for a podcast or two, I think would just be spectacular because yeah. there are a lot of really good ones. Um, you know the the shuttlecraft names. Um, or, yeah, like this uh, open-handed cock slap joke. There's just some, some fantastic stuff. But, yeah, I love just that offhand comment. I'm like, yeah, keep, Phil, can you roll to see if anybody just gets randomly stabbed in the, you know, in, in, the, in the off chance? And then all of a sudden, <laughs> here I am killing John. I'm like, okay, all right.
2: All because you were mad because I made you stop monologuing. <clears throat>
3: that is exactly why. Yeah, yeah, you neck pinch me. Yeah, I was. That's right. Aaron. I was trying to go for you the whole time, and it just happened to be random, uh, yeah. random chance. I love you. You'll, you'll
1: occasionally throw out stuff, Aaron, in the game where you're like, maybe this can happen. Where it's not like your character doing something, but like you just kind of imagine maybe something could happen. You throw it out to me, like, do you think there's a chance that such and such could happen? Always instigating this kind of
3: crap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love to just imagine like, oh, and then by the way, randomly, someone gets stabbed. Let's see, where are we going with this? Yeah, I love that stuff. Okay, well, like,
2: so. I'm, I'm pretty impressed with myself here, too, that yeah. I suggested medicine. Uh-huh. And then Karen wants to use a fire plant.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we had I, a, that was the first idea to try and revive him.
2: So yep. how did that work out? Well, the fire flower only made him more dead.
1: Yeah.
2: So <laughs> then to prove suggested true love's kiss because like, apparently that's where we were at. <laughs> mm-hmm.
4: I use my every, I, I, I summon up every inch of my French passion. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs>
6: <laughs> let, <laughs> let roll,
2: roll, get
3: up, work? Does, does somebody have an unopened stasis box?
2: We have to I, roll. I opened the stasis box. You <laughs>
6: opened the stasis
2: box? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck
6: Boom! No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that would it would be the
3: perfect end to this.
6: As <laughs> we're <hell is> <laughs> sitting
3: on the
1: platform,
6: you guys, like the, the ship monster. blows up and kills
3: both crews.
1: Sarah <laughs> Nicole, inside your stasis box is a flying belt. Wow, what? So
6: you put can it, put it on you. me. Put it, yeah. <laughs> nice. He's a flying corpse. Yeah, it's like, corpse fly. Listen, let's do it like we at Bernie's, okay? Like. All right, hold on.
1: Okay, Laurent, you got to roll a seduction roll. Laurent successfully seduced Rocco Solano's corpse. However, Trulo's kiss was not enough to revive him. Uh, so neither was flying
3: helping him come back to life. So at this point, I'm going to suggest that we, you know, sever the body and just uh, keep the head uh, in like a, you know, oxygenated fluid bath with uh, electrical
0: stimulation in order to preserve the brain activity and keep him in some form of life until we can fashion a robotic frame.
2: So, jorn I, I guess kind of redeemed himself maybe by cutting roku solano's head off and putting it in a jar
3: and I for don't... him it's just a an absolute win-win i mean it's like cool uh i managed to piss everybody off but now i get a new experiment to play with where i have you know some guy's head that i'm trying to keep alive and I'm making everyone help me because they have a vested interest in, in keeping uh, their crewmate alive. And um, I'm the only one that can do it. It's perfect for joy.
2: I think we fully went off the rails and it was amazing.
3: <laughs> Big time. Yes.
2: We did a Bernie's thing. Dead.
3: yeah, oh The the flying belt.
1: The yeah. True loves kiss.
2: <laughs> crazy. It was just that, hey.
1: the sequence of like thing that, things that kept getting tried to bring it back to life and then just like kept making him worse. So he's like, he's burning because the fire flower, his head's cut off. He's, he's got a French dude kissing him. He's like flying. <laughs> oh my God. So then what happened?
2: Oh my goodness. I just want to repeat that I suggested medicine, but okay. Um, <laughs> so just then there came a knock at the airlock. <gasps> it was the Orion dancer from the party. Oh! <gasps>
5: All right, you guys are bringing her to me, or
1: what?
2: Oh, no, I walk straight to you and straddle you.
1: <laughs> wow. Uh, that's right. Uh, so I decided that the Orion slave woman from the module was, in fact, Lyshasa, April's character from the Klingon campaign. April was only able to call in for a quick cameo, so this really worked out perfectly. Andre, you got to roll a, a d6. <clears throat>
5: Two.
3: Yeah, you're desperately in love with her now, Andre.
2: I
5: tell the crew, I'll be in my bum.
2: I stab you in the back.
1: Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> no, no, no. You've not seen <laughs> oh, enough TV. Okay.
6: <laughs> Evil
1: women who come to evilly seduce someone have a have a great danger of then falling in love with the man they were supposed to seduce.
2: Oh shit!
1: So, so Andre, you got to roll your seduction. Fuck yeah! That's right. Fuck yeah. Yes,
2: yeah, fuck yeah. The first two seduction rolls tied, but on the third one, Petrenko succeeded.
1: Okay, um, Andre, you All seduced right, your back after okay. after three rounds of hot sex.
2: Um, <laughs> she's
1: fallen for you.
2: <laughs> I just couldn't yeah. bring myself to kill you.
1: She confessed that Solomon Cain had sent her to kill him.
2: I failed. I failed as an mess. That's all good, baby.
5: We're going to send <laughs> Jorn after his ass. <laughs> you should see him. He's, he's deadly even to his own crew. This is like pillow talk, you know? <laughs>
6: right?
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. I think I should point out that... Eric, producer Eric, was shaking his head in shame for all of us during that whole session. <laughs> so disapproving.
1: It's like, I'm going to have to cut out all of this.
2: <laughs> sophomoric. I warned our dear listeners that this one would be sophomoric. But with the dawn, Lyshasa returned to the Keros mansion. Jorn attached Roku Solano's head somewhat hilariously to a female robot body. The robot was a character that Ava had rolled up for the trader's crew, but hadn't actually had a chance to use. The crew decided it was high time they checked on the shadow market.
1: Jorn was going to try to sew Rokasolano's head back onto Rokasolano's actual body, but it was still going to require some cyborg replacements at this point. So Jorn went shopping for some shady science stuff to help him with that, and along the way picked up some other improvements to make on the sly.
2: In addition to the head swivel and the control medallion, Jorn was able to score some artificial eyes and artificial ears. So later when he patched up Rokosolano, he made some improvements, including telescopic vision and improved hearing.
1: So the, the crew then encountered a drunkard named Savro Kerov. Now remember, Kerov is one of the main Orion families which control this planet. Not to be confused with Keros. What's he drinking? Uh, I I'm not drinking anything. What are you talking about? I'm all out of booze. Ah,
4: well, I uh
1: I pull out of my pack a bottle
4: of um bottle of French wine and uh, a couple of uh, like canteen uh, cups and I'm like, well, uh, you know, here we go. I give him a cup. We start. I start pouring a couple of cups for him. You're all right.
1: You guys, you know, treat me like right. family. Unlike my own family. Jerks. They won't let me visit their extensively modeled family villa. It's supposed to be luxurious beyond belief or imagining. But only a few of Mercos's closest confidants are allowed access.
2: Next they encountered some Orion women plying their trade. all indulged himself and tried to buy Rocco Solano a treat to make him feel better, but he didn't have the right parts.
1: Well done. So next they ran into another drunk. This one, a human. This is the first sight of a fellow <laughs> human face in weeks. He introduced himself as Arminius Muldoon, whose shipmates abandoned him on Daros two, uh, on, on Daros two years ago. Daros four. Yeah. Two years ago. He told the crew about his drinking pal, Thorne and gave them a hollow cube photograph of a mansion on a mountain
2: thorn was the starfleet operative that they were supposed to recover uh, i mentioned this in the commander's log what 10 years ago when did we start this yeah <laughs>
3: five and a half hours ago so, so- excellent okay was your Klingon on uh vehicle guy here in the shadow market or is he elsewhere you guys have walked into a
1: um a bar called soron's hole a cd uh- Smoke filled. Dive deep in the heart of the shadow market, and you see this guy. It's a it's an Orion, and it's also sitting at the table as a Klingon in civilian dress. He catches sight of you. You guys are obviously not Orions. You're humans, and he jumps up and leaves. He's running out through the back door on the other side of the building. Tapru, Laurent, and Solano chased the Klingon out the back door through the alleyways. Solano lost control of his body and started rolling around. Clang, clang, clang. But the Klingon also lost his footing, and Tapru and Laurent nabbed him.
2: I'm holding on to him, and I'm a fucking Vulcan.
1: All right, let me go. Let me go. Why don't you neck pinch him?
2: him? I can neck pinch him, and we can take him back to the ship.
4: I pour some uh, wine on the front of his shirt. Oh,
2: yeah. We at at Bernie's. And,
4: uh, and we put it behind us. we're like, oh, man.
2: <laughs> my,
4: you know, clean heavy drinkers. What a oh, fun night
2: oh. we've had. Oh, He's
1: been hitting the juice.
2: <laughs> oh, my gosh. Weekend at Bernie's. Amazing. Back at the bar, Petrenko, Zosima, Jorn, Afa'al, and Jensen had a little chat with Irva, the merchant. Can I say something Hello. real fast?
3: Sorry, hold on. I just want to say that we have this long, elaborate discussion about the ethics and morality of using Ava's uh, body for something that her Android character never necessarily got to weigh in on. Uh, I'm sure that audio is available uh, as part of your Patreon membership, but it was (laughs) delightful. I had a really good time with that part of it. So excuse me, did you ask me? And we're like, no, no, it's an Android body. Yeah, just an Android. We're taking it. Yes, there's a discussion
1: of android rights, whether they're truly sentient and and whatnot. I don't think Jordan it's a really cares. Great discussion.
3: About it. No, he doesn't. But it was fun.
0: Well, we are interested in weapons and technology. Is that not what you have to offer here?
3: Yeah, I,
1: I do. I have Klingon weaponry for sale. I've got uh, 50 disruptors and 25 disruptor rifles.
6: Or I'd be interested just in buying the a uh, couple rifles for myself. You know. Where- Put in my closet. Fine. That'd be
1: 60, 60 credits per rifle, sir. Um, I
6: think I've got that. All right. Yes. I'll buy two of them. Okay.
2: Wow. You seem like a really excellent businessman. I mean, you've got all this cool supply, and where do you even get this stuff?
1: Well, I like, I trade all over the Federation. Um, really? let me ask you guys some questions. Um okay. What um, what uh, what sort of trade have you been involved in lately?
0: We did some business in um, uh, dilithium uh, back in um, uh, yes, lately.
1: Late very in, convincing.
0: Uh, We've been on an extended <laughs> contract uh, trading in lithium, uh, six months or so. Where? Yeah, well, what's the name of that planet, guys? I don't even remember. Yes, well, memory for the <laughs> name of planets certainly
1: escapes me. The players sensed the situation was turning sour when they flubbed their bluffing over there. They didn't even have to bluff. (laughs) Uh, Irva had activated some sort of alarm, so they left before anyone apprehended them. And they never found out which family Irva worked for.
2: Everyone met back at the Vera where the Klingon they kidnapped came to. He wasn't very forthcoming with information, so they went through his stuff and found his computer.
1: Ah, not my computer! You can't... Ah, drats. You guys took my computer. You're probably going to go through it now. Turn to cool, meanwhile. Um, just puts the... you know, Saves the day. Just starts reading the data. All right, it looks like it's a list of cargo shipped from the Klingon Empire to Mercos Kerov in the last two months. It includes a large number of sidearms, assorted computer parts, navigation programs, and dilithium crystals for warp drive engines, all of Klingon manufacture...
4: Okay, so the Carop family is getting all the gear from the Klingons. The Klingons are going to be controlling the Carop family, and that's what's happening: is that the Klingons are trying to establish a shadow government using the Carop family as their puppet. So we just have to find proof of it now. DePru hopped into her shuttle and is take took off towards the Saladin with the uh, with the computer.
1: Yes. So Roku Solano. Recalled to memory that Solomon Kane was a fugitive, a somewhat infamous Starfleet officer who had gone rogue. The crew thought about how to deal with him. But when the air car arrived to take them over to the Karos Palace for another round of negotiations, this time Zosima, Jorn, and Afaal went in for the barter.
2: Jorn delivered an epic, detailed, straight shooting, two minute long sales pitch.
1: Glorious. Lord Caros was moved and made a counteroffer, which was very close to what the party was asking.
2: Just then, a wee creak and sound was heard outside the door. Afa'al flung the door open and grabbed the spy!
1: It was one of Caros's servants. Keros was deeply embarrassed and vowed to have the servant sacked.
2: Jorn took out his vibro blade, intending to do justice his way. Afa'al stopped him.
1: All this violence and argumentativeness was damaging the negotiations. Joran complained that Laishasa's assassination attempt had left them all jumpy. But the finger-pointing only made things worse.
2: And all made it even worse by demanding a higher price than what the party had asked for previously.
1: What all right, get out of my then. mansion. Fuck the you reading. guys, get out. In get your bullshit, Fuck you.
6: <laughs> Out, out, <laughs> out. <laughs> terrible, terrible bargaining. Guys, Karen, you want to like three is is there
5: a way we can, can we quit and reload the last save?
3: <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> that, like, that thing, whole thing was such a disaster. It was going so well, and then it just all fell apart. And I mean, it was just one just mess after the next. I did do a really good two-minute monologue, though. Y'all should um, definitely check that out. It was super good. That was oh, one of my yeah. better ones. we got to do the great.
2: monologue episode. Anyway, Caros sent Jorn and Afa all away and summoned Petrenko. Petrenko amiably agreed to Kharos' terms.
1: Listen, do we have a deal? Uh, I, I 5,000 units, 119% Um. <laughs> Uh, And uh, we all feast and uh, have a a ritual um, uh, execution. Good times for all. Yes, my
5: friend, we do.
1: Petrenko asks Keros to stay Lyshas' execution and just hand her over to his custody as part of the deal. All right, my friends, we will draw up the contract in um, official uh, Federationese, and uh, we will throw a big party...
6: Auto.
2: Meanwhile, the Starfleet crew decided it was high time they checked out the super secret Kerov Mountain mansion. They rented an air car to head out there.
1: What's your plan of approach? Just walk right in,
4: have
5: confidence, and
1: just, yeah, we belong here. Their bold, non sneaky approach got them shot at by a starship disruptor beam coming from the mansion. They decided to land and hike the final mile. Zosima fell into a pit. And a huge, disgusting yellow insect tried to munch on her with its
6: mandibles. I pull out my Klingot and heave it. I'm
0: in a sandpit. Right at
6: the, uh, right between its, well, it's got lots of eyes. Between the eyes above its its mandibles.
2: I'm in a sandpit. It's amazing. <laughs> 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 oh, I'm, a sand pit. I'm in a sand pit, pit. Just a matter of fact,'m I'm, I'm in a sandpit. Just fact. perfect. Everyone attacked the beastie. Patrenko fired on it with his fabled laser rifle. It chomped on Zosima a bit, but not for long.
6: Yeah, I totally want to try the Devosian potted cactus that just happens to be in my pack. Because yeah. I carry him okay. around like that.
1: You stab it with a cactus, and um, it goes... <laughs>
3: yeah,
1: it's dead. Unfortunately, um, your open approach before raised quite the uh, alarm. You guys are now surrounded by, like, 20 of these guys. Orions? Orions from House Kedov.
2: The party was taken prisoner and was placed in the detention block of the mansion. Zosima tried to pick the lock using her cactus needles, but she failed. She's hopelessly undextrous Petrenko tried faking epilepsy.
6: I pound on the door and I yell, guard, guard, there's somebody sick in here. We need a medic.
5: I make Open myself like vomit. You know, I stick my fingers in there and then I start like rolling around. Okay.
1: It was a typical jailbreak scenario. They karate chopped the guard and took his weapon and snuck around the compound. It's a pretty cool dungeon crawl. What should we call it like a compound crawl? This happens in a lot of the adventures where there's like a some sort of a compound.
2: I think compound crawl. That sounds nice. Alliteration.
3: Yeah. So, <clears throat> this
2: time, oh, they're all covered man. in.
3: In uh, Petrenko's vomit—is that? Do I have that right? <laughs>
2: <laughs> you just mean for when we're going around something that's not a dungeon, but is a dungeon basically mechanics-wise?
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm just trying to come up with a nickname for us to call it because, yeah, compound. I guess it just sounds so like sterile, like it's a compound. I don't know. They have like these. A lot of these modules have, yeah, like a structure of some
2: kind
3: dear listener do you have a suggestion other than compound crawl because that that Think works
1: but soundstage crawl or something
3: yeah
2: soundstage crawl i don't know like I'm just trying to
1: visualize crawl. it in terms of the show
3: send you us your suggestions like... dear listeners
2: please building if on, you on you a planet crawl building on a planet crawl yeah it rolls right off the tongue
1: <laughs> oh fuck you <laughs> <laughs> i tried <laughs> you
2: came up with a good one first okay, come round, come cross, out, crawl. That's okay it. That's again it. as just as Aaron stated dear listener if you come up with a better idea for this what we should call it please email us or slide into our DMs on Instagram and slide tell us, tell us what... the
1: DMs. don't slide into the DM
2: <laughs> slide right <into laughs> oh, the DM. oh yeah. my gosh dear listeners I'm sorry. I just Paper apologize seed. for the whole episode. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, they found a computer with the data, and they downloaded it on a data card. They also a computer. found.
3: Stop all the downloading. <laughs> Help, computer.
2: Okay, what else did they find? All
1: right, mm-hmm. it's an enormous starship hangar. Oh, I knew it's it. got it's got a pirate ship. Privateering. They they're
4: um. The Klingons are giving them supplies so that they can, like, basically. It's just random pirates, and they're raiding the other houses and other federation, like any federation ships, but then taking it all themselves.
2: I like, engineer Eric, that you're coming up, producer Eric, engineer Eric, that you're coming up with all the revelations.
1: Yeah, he's actually putting on his thinking cap here.
2: Oh, you're so smart. I don't like anyone
1: else. Anyone else
2: oh.
4: Someone had to keep us on rails. Everyone else is like having snacks and making romance checks and yeah. I'm trying oh. to move the plot forward here.
6: Let's, let's
3: cut John's head off and worry about our wardrobes. And you're like, let's do the thing that we came here for.
2: Wardrobe and romance roles are important parts and of Star Trek. Not decapitations. Disagree. After. Eric's enormous revelation. The crew hopped Ooh. in an airspeeder and made a very hasty escape back to the Vera, pursued by pursued by the care of men.
1: You fly, you it. fly the ship, fire it up, and get out, get out of the system.
5: I think it's probably worth it. At
2: this point, you're...
1: like we've, we've
4: stored the sh- the, sh- the Hornet's nest. First of all, I sent a message to the um, Saladin saying uh, we are being pursued by an. By a, by a pirate ship.
6: You might and need her pursuit to do a crazy Ivan. Yes. We go
5: back into the atmosphere and try to do a crazy Ivan.
6: I Look, get in. I hop into the uh, navigation station and wait till the uh, other ship is following us close and we're in the atmosphere. And then I put on the brakes.
1: All right. Who has a tactics skill? Laurent has a tactic skill.
4: I have instrumentation.
5: I have ship design.
1: Anti matter theory. So Laurent, you've got to like sketch and and figure out the exact timing. Petrenko, you got to hit the right buttons. Jorn, you got to uh, to to uh, engineer the right uh, mixture in the anti matter reactor. Dave, you got to um, you got to use the wheel or whatever using um, levers or however you want to imagine it. <laughs> Laurent, give us an int roll modified by your decks. You got I it. it. Petrenko, just straight up decks. Jorn, straight up int. Dave, straight up decks. And we'll see how that goes. Zosimo awesome. will step in to uh, to do backup rolls for anyone who fails. So as the
4: Privateer ship is approaching, I wait, wait, I wait, 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 now! So yeah, I press the button, and
5: to my horror, it jams first. It gives me like some weird like light that I've never seen before. So I just like elbow smash it in.
3: The very last second, it starts to flicker, and he, bam, bangs on it in the right place, and then <laughs>
0: very well, your anti matter is prepared for you, pedestrians.
1: All right, Dave, you got to pull up on your wheel real quick. Yeah.
6: Taking it and I pull it up, and it's like, "Come on, baby, pull up, pull up, pull up!" And I cook it right in the, you know, in the right spot under the uh, console, and you know, I've got it up, and and I pull on the levers and I turn the dials and I pull on the levers on this side. And
1: I... Do you do a Wookie growl while you're at it? <laughs> <laughs> We start going up into the heavens, right? Just <laughs> chugging all kinds of antimatter into them. They're burning husk. And that was pretty much the uh, that was the climax <laughs> of the game. They kicked the yeah, guy's butt. Sort of said uh, the Saladin came along and like um, the traders went back, did some more trading, and all was cool. They partied and
3: yeah. That was the game. It was it was awesome.
2: It was, it was fun. Amazing.
3: It was awesome. We need some sort of like immense like applause, like foley piece right here. Just like <sighs> I don't know, it deserves something epic. All right,
1: first order of business, humanity on trial.
6: <laughs>
1: oh, oh yeah.
2: Alien oh. Alien beings
1: yes. came down and were observing all this, you know, some shimmering beings. They would, uh, they would probably single out Joran. That would be my vote.
3: You want to, you want to get him? <clears throat> yes, you have <laughs> asked for me. And what do
0: you believe that I'm guilty of?
2: First of all, monologuing.
0: <laughs> Always.
2: <laughs> Number one.
0: <laughs> what good is a villain if he does not
1: monologue?
2: Number two, Phil. Any ideas?
1: <laughs> Inserting a. a a, uh, a super villain into our Star Trek campaign as a player character. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I, I actually want to people.
3: I actually want to blame that one on Karen, uh, and I, I. At least I'm pretty sure it was Karen. Um, I uh, I rolled up. I rolled up Jorn, and I decided I needed a nickname for him. And we were like, I think it was by by email. We were mm-hmm. like throwing around nicknames, and I'm pretty sure it was Karen who came up with the demented freak there's some and website his, and it had to do
1: with like your birthday and the first letter of your last name or whatever it might have been it, it yeah came up with and i demented freak
3: and i remember looking at it and i was like boom that's it so what do you do with a character called Jorn the demented freak well you make him a mad scientist and he wasn't even that good one his stats aren't even that great i thought he would be dead long ago but here we are so if you're going to play a mad scientist you got to play a mad orion scientist so yeah,
0: I guilty as charged.
3: <laughs>
1: I was pretty sure you're going to, get to plead guilty. That's right.
6: Poor yeah, John.
3: <laughs> I mean, all. you know, I'm glad that uh, through the generosity of uh, our omniscient being P, we were able to um, preserve <laughs> poor Rokasolano Solano and John didn't have to roll a third character.
1: I uh, went on Star Trek boards. And I asked them about Vina, because Vina in um, in the cage, she's uh, she's been the victim of a horrific crash. She crash landed on the planet, right? And the the right. um, the Tolosians had no idea what humans looked like, so they put her back together, but like in a whole deformed way. Um, and and I wondered if you know, there's a whole thing in the episode about how she just wanted to stay there. On the planet because she then could be beautiful and have, you know, the life how she imagined it and wanted it. And I was like, well, but if she goes back to the Federation, can't they put her back together correctly? Do um, you guys have any ideas on that?
2: Oh, I'm desperate to know what everybody said on your boards.
1: Well, it got really interesting and it got into Pike, too, because he's in a, in a wheelchair and all they can get out of him is uh, one beep for yes and two beeps for no. This is in the sequel, right? right. Uh, the Menagerie. And um, and they're like, well, wait a second. In another episode, there's a universal translator and there's a cloud that's just kind of there. And then all of a sudden, it can just completely talk. How can they not, how can they not um, get more words out of Christopher Pike? He can understand everything that people are saying. And uh, he could obviously, they, they could make it communicate more. So it, the whole thing is just mm, not really well thought out makes a really iconic yeah. episode with the, the the one beep and the two beeps but um
3: well, it's the same sort of debate you see later around like Geordie's visor or you know any number of other things where mm-hmm. like yeah in a in a in a super advanced post scarcity society like why why would you need to worry about things like this i, I don't know yeah mhm
1: so that was kind of interesting. But anyway, I think we, I basically decided that, uh, well, as a DM, you always have that conundrum of what do you do? And it's not a player's fault at all. And that, and they die. You don't really want that situation. Um, and it really wasn't his fault at all. He wasn't even really involved in that scene. And it just kind of like randomly ended up being him. It was hilarious. But I think we eventually decided, well, he's, he's got to be able to, um, not really suffer, uh, permanent consequences so how i imagined it playing out is that he'd become kind of a cyborg you know in in the original series they have androids which just look completely human you know in the in the i mud episode and they just have the like the medallion right the 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 kick-ass chain and like a number that lights up and goes
6: beep 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 beep
1: so i thought that'd be a cool thing if he had that since he cut off his head that his head would swivel on a you know 180 degrees Or 360 degrees or whatever. And then uh, we could just roll up a few specific enhancements. And I found those in the um, the Space Patrol rules, which are the the rules which came out before these Star Trek rules that he based the Star Trek rules on. Um, It had a lot more just general sci-fi stuff. I guess he took out the cyborg stuff because you don't get that a lot in original series Star Trek. But we were able to find out. Like infravision or or whatever it was, not infravision, but he had the like vision telescopic and... vision and <clears throat> yeah. improved hearing, and that that's the kind of cool stuff that comes useful in a in a game. We're often just kind of just looking at the um, the blueprints, and you know, and we're like, I wonder what's over there. And then we can kind of use his ability to be like, oh, I hear something over here, and that helps us narrow it down where to go. Yeah, it's cool stuff.
3: Yeah, well, and, you know, I, I think that, uh, I think Jorn, you know, his beef was with T'Pru, and so when, when John, you know, when uh, Rocco Solano got killed, you know, I mean, he certainly doesn't feel guilty, per se, because uh, I don't know that he's capable of that emotion, but uh, he certainly, at least, uh, after he sort of negotiates this, like, alright, you'll spare me and stop being so pissy and being in my way all the time if I save this Poor bastard's life, to, or you know, to some extent, and then of course, he becomes a science project as well. So, he's you know, piquing his curiosity about what the limits of the human body are, as far as those things go. But yeah, he really does sort of take an interest in Rocco Solano, and as much as I think Jorn is capable of such a thing. So, um, he, he at least, I think, maybe in some people's eyes, borders on redeems himself, but yeah, ultimately, I think he still has a burning, murderous hatred for to prove. Uh, if ever the two shall cross again neck pinch him my goodness
2: that's fair
1: i love it i love i love there being relationships between the characters and uh you know not always the best relationships but that there being these connections i like that you have this control now over Rokasolano solano to some degree where you can like retcon in that like oh i installed a listening device in roca solano so now i can hear what he's hearing
2: Oh my God! Oh. Don't give him ideas.
3: Oh no, that's I was already there. I'm pretty sure I mentioned that.
1: Uh, yeah, he God,
2: that's brings terrible.
1: that up in one of the next yeah. episodes. But yeah, and it's just a really cool. I was really looking forward to this module in general, but just that idea of combining two different crews with different objectives.
6: Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't really
1: turn out to be as as head to head as I thought it would be. They kind of like were you know more or less a team, um, but then
2: somebody died.
1: But the, except, we
2: couldn't get along, so that's pretty head-to-head. Head.
1: Yeah, well, you guys brought that, and that was that was fun, and uh it just kind of makes the universe seem larger. Maybe a little bit too coincidental with Lyshasa showing up, but then, but then that was cool too. It was like an NPC in the module. I'm always trying to turn them into PCs. And I was like, what the heck? April can just do a cameo. So let's let's go to that part where they. They send her in as an assassin and have her be the assassin. And I think that the utility of her character being able to cross over all three campaigns uh, mm-hmm. now um, will come in handy to tie together some of our uh, future adventures.
2: Oh yeah, it's it's our universe. Right. Shit like that's fun. That makes it more fun for the players. Mm-hmm. I like it. I think it, we should do it all the time. The end
3: yeah i i like being able to um to play different characters with each other and you know i think that's something unique that we have after having so many years of playing together is that we know each other well enough and we've all played enough different characters together to know how to riff off each other in different ways based on the characters we're playing and and the relationships they have in terms of their roles within the larger party and things like that and so you know i know that um i i don't know how much we had discussed it previously because I don't have a memory as far as such things that people consider to be, you know, remembering things. But anyways, you, you brought up briefly. Yeah. I don't know, just, Here I go monologuing again. Um, I remember you saying words? something, yeah, where it's this, this thing oh my between God. my ears, is kind Are of mush, okay? but i is coming on never, right now. Yeah. Um, no, Phil, you had, you had said something about, uh, people asking you about people, um, role-playing different sets of characters within the same campaign and like mixing Mm -hmm. characters even though they're the same players uh, maybe you remember better than i do but like i I think again that we do that really well because of the the existing long-term relationships that we have here and we've played so many different characters and different types of characters before that uh, we all sort of work off of each other in a lot of great ways regardless of what teams we are and it doesn't necessarily introduce a huge challenge for us in terms of um, getting mixed up between the characters we have and things like that. Yeah, I hope some of that made sense at Ro- least.
1: Role playing is a creative stew. So we have the module and the rule set. We have the the GM and what he wants to happen. We have all the players, and and this gives me so many more ingredients for the stew. Not just me, but like all you guys. Uh, when I have the different characters to work with. Um, it just opens up a lot of doors, a lot of possibilities. Makes the universe seem bigger, and and less just sort of like in a box of like, well, we're on a starship with just these these few characters. And anyway, um, there were recurring characters even in the original series, Mud coming back, um, and and kind of having a PC like role in both of the episodes that he's in. He kind of starts as like a villain, but but by the end of the episode, he's um, he's cooperating and doing stuff with the crew. So that element of chaos and that element of like, you know, just not necessarily being a Starfleet character is super idiomatic. So you do like playing this character, Jorn?
3: I have so much fun playing Jorn. It's 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 such a departure from the normal characters I play. Um and I I really enjoy his like, you know, devious pursuit of like trying to buy slaves and his, you know, Never quite mentioned you know science experiments and mm-hmm. and everyone else's revulsion, I think is probably my favorite part about playing joy perfect. perfect, yeah, yeah, talking about his pheromones and all that kind of stuff, I just absolutely adore it
2: last week, I think Eric had mentioned that he liked playing his red shirt because sometimes he felt Dicko. Dicko. Because sometimes... I'm speaking for you, Eric. I'm repeating what you said last week, so if you want to jump in, feel free. But he felt like maybe he had been playing his character, Laurent, a little blandly or a little... um, What did you say, Eric? Just jump in.
4: Producer Eric. I was playing him like a too straight right? Uh, he was being a very generic hero guy, but didn't have, like... um, I said it in a dick whole voice. Um, but he, he didn't have like strong character choices. He was just very vanilla. And I think maybe you heard it in this past episode. I was trying to, even though I was trying to move things along and be like, okay, yeah, we have to, I'm, I'm figuring out the puzzle. Still. I'm like, I'm pouring wine in this guy's shirt up oh, for We're going to, you know, really going to try to try to do something fun with the character.
2: It's so. hard to pick in, in theater or in improv. It's hard to pick non active uh, verbs or choices for your character so having somebody who is a generic hero is hard to play and then it's hard to play that you know role playing setting just being a generic hero isn't fun so when you get to play someone like Jorn who has a huge hook gets to be a little naughty or gets to say weird things all the time that's super fun and I sometimes with Chapru I have trouble with that because she's a Vulcan and she's not going to react to things in the way that Snurk would, that I would, right? And I often talk in my own voice for her, and because if I speak in a to voice while we're playing the game, it's very, it's not exciting, right? So it's an interesting thing you bring up. I think Jorn is so much fun because you've are having so much fun playing him. When Dick Hole comes on, it's fun because Eric is just in it. And one of the reasons, again, I like Karen is, well, I love Karen for many reasons, but one of the reasons I like playing with her, she makes strong, committed character choices, is consistently going back to that backstory, those character choices. So when she says stuff that's weird or fun, it makes total sense for her character. And that's so much more fun to play with than generic So I I think that's a really interesting concept and we're starting to get out of it with our Klingon campaign and with this campaign. I think that Andre playing Petrenko outside of Starfleet rules is much more fun for all of us. For him, and therefore for all of us. I don't know, I just monologued, so put me on trial.
1: No, I love it. I think there's a a flavor of role-playing where many or all players uh, pick character types which are um, just silly and and actually are unproductive, where they they're like this is my character or my character steals from everybody in the party, for example, and then um, and then they never actually help to advance the plot or or to uh, uh, you know they just they work against the characters and they're like but that's my character and I think there's some GMs who actually uh, reward that and they have a whole session of people just kind of. Uh, dicking around, and that's all they do. And so we don't want to go there. I like, Aaron, how your character does also advance the storyline, how you're like, well, we need to go to the Shadow Market because I need to buy my stuff, right? And then it also advances the storyline because they need to go to the Shadow Market and have all these encounters anyway. And it gives you a reason to be there. And uh, and then and you work in your Orion connection to the Orion uh, NPCs as a way of... Uh, of, it, of advancing the the, um, the objectives of the party too. So I like that. And Laurent um, has gotten more and more interesting with his shtick his of like buying wine for people and being uh, that kind of Frenchman. Um, so I'm interested to see where that goes. Uh, his importance rises, I think, as the campaign goes because he's one of the senior members of the Starfleet crew. He was one of the original characters. And he's at every session, so he tends to get a lot of XP. So I think he becomes Tapru's right-hand man in many ways. Um, and that'll only continue.
2: Just like in real life, Eric.
1: But we have to think about, like, there's in in modern movies, uh, there's there's such a, and in shows, they're always giving the heroes problems, right? They always have arcs because they're always struggling with stuff. They can never just be a straight hero. But in Star Trek, Kirk, Spock, McCoy, Picard, they're all straight heroes. They don't really, they're not really struggling with demons. That's not really their thing. And yet they're all so distinct and individualized and they can have um, conflict among themselves. And uh, and so I think it's really interesting to consider how to make interesting characters who are also straight men.
2: I think part of that is they had well-developed backstories Mm -hmm. and they were coming from a place of realism and their reactions to things, right? When you're saying you don't like, or your flavor of, player is not somebody who's creating those silly characters well that's because that's an artificial construct someone's putting on top of a character Uh, making a choice like that is a, a silly choice that they're making just to be funny it's not coming from i always steal things because my character in her childhood felt like she never had a home or any possessions and so it's something she does almost as a nervous tick she'll steal something and hold on to it she doesn't realize she's doing it it makes her really uncomfortable and she tries to sneak them back. Now, that's something interesting that can still further a storyline. Like, I have to get back to this place so I can put an item back or something like that. That's not me trying to F up the party just to be funny. Right. Okay? And our our moments of humor are coming from organic reactions. The reason that situation was funny was because Tapru thought, jo- uh, thought Jorn was being a fucking idiot. And neck-, neck pinched him. And then when he woke up, he was so angry about all of it. He went and just lashed out violently. And those are real reactions that our characters would have based on real backstories and who they are as people. That's not just us being assholes and silly. Of course, there's an element of that because of who we <laughs> yes. are as people, right? <laughs> I, yes. I do not negate that. But even when we're making joke names for characters, we still come up with the backstory of why. Yeah. That's the difference, I think.
1: Well, and like yeah. like Aaron said, a lot of it is our comfort with each other, and I think sometimes um, people will throw out an option of like, well, the more bold option would be to do this to fucking neck pinch his ass, you know, to neck pinch the the Klingon and drag him back to the ship. And there's a moment where we're like, teehee, well, that's too silly. And then, but sometimes, maybe more often than not, we're like, well, yeah, we should do that, and it makes for a more interesting. uh Well, a more interesting recap, more interesting story, a more interesting game. Ain't that the Bold choices.
2: Bold choices are important. But we also, okay, one other thing. We also are working as a team. And the other thing you said was when somebody is doing that, like stealing from other party members and not furthering the story, that's a sign of somebody who's not working as a team member. right? So Mm -hmm. when John died, you hear us all trying to fix it in our character's own way and that's the sign of a team that loves john as a human but also wants to support john's character we're doing our improv right in our role playing as a team which is how it should be when you're stealing from everybody and not furthering the party along that's not teamwork so i think that's important to note. and i am done monologuing i think
3: it was brilliant. Final yeah, thought, you, Aaron. Go. If, if you steal from everybody and then you use it to buy a puppy for everyone to share, then that's different than if you just steal to be annoying. Um, so there you go. Have a reason behind your quirky behavior. You know, I knife people because I'm a sociopathic mad scientist. Uh, and But at the same time, I will f- fix the guy I beheaded.
1: Also, now we know there are vibro blades in Star Trek. And how. <laughs> and how. I, don't yeah, I remember Jordan... looking
3: that up and having no concept for how much damage that was going to do. I'm like, <laughs> oh, somebody's going to get stabbed for a couple points of damage. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, I'm fucking dead. dead. Like, oh. I don't <laughs> okay. think
2: Jordan is actually as bad as you or he thinks he is. I think he no, has no, a soft spot. Not. Yeah. And I, I think that's why he fixed Roku Solano. I think that he actually likes being part of the crew. But Aww. he's going to pretend to be a bad guy.
3: He's still there. I mean, you know, we haven't added up how much all the Free Trader crew has made over the course of their, like, six months, you know, mm-hmm. uh, buying and selling, um, you know, cr- crystals and all. I mean, like, he probably has a decent little lump sum saved up and he could probably go establish himself his own little laboratory on some seedy backwater somewhere um you know he's wanted in the Rigel system which is a piece of his background we haven't really got to explore yet but uh yeah he could absolutely be like I'm out of here bitches and like go build a (laughs) laboratory somewhere and buy his slave women and what is it Tellurides I think he likes to his favorite (laughs) science experiment um Sure, but yeah I mean you know, but he doesn't so um this is why? one of my
1: regrets is that Andre especially but but uh, in general in this campaign we haven't been keeping as good records of the money that has been has come in and whatnot and part of that is we've, we've kind of just seen little vignettes right. of this crew and we're like well six months later they were in this completely other system but I like the idea uh, of a campaign where, you're doing like this trading and like you're actually into, uh, I'm not really sure this would work with a lot of players, but if you had a small crew and they were really interested in really maximizing their profit, if they had a map of the galaxy and they kind of knew the trade routes and they're interested in going over here and maybe picking up a cargo of this and going over there and selling a cargo of that.
3: yeah, escape velocity. mm Mm-hmm play Skate Velocity uh, on the Mac all those years ago. I don't know if anybody else. Shout out to my people at uh, Ambrosia Software. Yeah. 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 Well,
1: this, uh, this is... What was the one with Orion in the name?
3: Uh, Master of Orion. Master oh, of yeah. Orion. Those were yeah. great games. Those were more like 4X uh, like mm-hmm. strategy, though, I think. Spacer those... Ho. Yeah, Space you're right, Road. Road. right. Oh, my God, Spacer at Ho.
1: I played games like this on BBSs in the 80s. Yeah, Where you were just yeah. like you would build a better ship, and then you'd load mm-hmm. a different cargo, and there would still be combat and stuff. But it was just that whole like, yeah. yeah. I always loved that idea. I'm not sure how nitty gritty you want to get. Siracles shaking your head. Hell no. Hard
2: pass. I'm out.
1: Bye. I played the
3: heck out of games like this. There was another one free trader or something i think for windows i think probably a lot of folks played but mm-hmm. yeah there's just I, I love it and of course plenty of people are out there playing uh, eve now and you know there's all there's a ton of this like galaxy spanning like you know upgrade your ship and buy low and sell high and fight pirates and become a pirate and all the rest of it and it's a blast to play as long as it doesn't become like into like a truly horrible grind like eve um, but uh, yeah, there, I mean, there was plans to make like a, or I think there was a Star Trek MMO where you could have something like that, but Eric. I want to say it died. Yeah. Eric's nodding. Like he knows the details, but.
2: I'm sure he does.
1: Eric's not only say... a producer for RPG pop club. Eric's like a real game producer.
6: <laughs> he, he, uh, hey. he
3: works in the industry. Just yeah. <laughs> say that. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Star yeah. Trek, Star Trek online. Um, I, it, it seems to be so a thing.
2: There you go. So, it still exists, go, folks.
4: Free, free plug there, cryptic.
1: I wasn't sure that if was it cryptic? if it had a traitor aspect, but yeah, presumably you upgrade your ship and 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 uh, whatever. Good stuff. Well, to
2: our listeners, if you've played one of these games or have any feedback, please let us know. Go ahead, Phil.
1: Well, let's let's close out the humanity on trial. Uh, Jordan's obviously guilty.
2: Guilty, guilty, guilty. Oh, yeah.
3: Guilty as charged, for sure. <laughs> so, yes, I accept it and welcome it. I wonder what, you know, because in all those
1: episodes, like, you know, Kirk and all them are, like, so earnest, like, no, no, we believe in peace. And, like, I always wonder if all those races encountered the Klingons or the Orions or the Ferengi or something, and they were just like, you are not good. And they were like, Yeah right. So and
3: yeah, right, yeah. have
1: yep. Uh, I guess in in the Errand of Mercy there's a little bit of that where they're like you know, you federation suck and you klingon suck even more. But anyway, all right, guilty. So, uh I <laughs> moving on. This module has so much going on. Um and uh I just want to touch on some of the stuff that that it has in it. It has trading so it has um there's trade in the shadow market there's trade in the high market there's all that barter with the guy i think we cut more of the some of the more entertaining bits as it snowballed people would make more and more impassioned pleas and that would affect the roles There was a whole system of how to to barter one of my better
3: monologues let me just say again yeah it's one of my better ones for sure
1: but Andre and karen did a lot of a lot of great role play in there too um but again if you were not one of those players involved in it might not be as interesting but um, it was there. I like, I like when there's some nitty-gritty in a module, some, some sort of uh, sense of like you can actually go around and do stuff, find people to talk to, find actual trade and stuff. I like it. I really like it. Um, there were five families uh, that were detailed in the module on this planet. This planet kind of felt like uh, you could really uh, go around the planet. I like that. Feeling of there being different areas and and whatnot, different things going on that were necessarily involved.
3: Was it classic Star Trek, where the entire planet was one biome? Was that pretty uh, much? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. There was a
1: starport, and then there was you know the mansion that you had to fly off to somewhere else and whatnot. Yeah. Presumably there were mines and whatever all over the planet, but yeah, yeah. I'm fine with that. It's never bothered me so at it's all. Classic. I like the um, idea of just landing on a planet like you're landing on an island.
3: Yeah. Well, I love that we had the, the two f- families a- a- with one of them being almost more like a a red herring kind of thing, but like being mm-hmm. left to wonder like which family is it that's actually working with, you know, the Klingons or whatever else. And um, yeah, it was, it was interesting to, to, to have to figure that out as we went along and for as a, as a, playing a traitor character, you know, I, I think I texted you real early on Philip in terms of rolling for my intelligence check to figure out, like, if I could see through these like poor disguises that the uh, Federation folks had, especially. Yeah. And so, um, but just like trying to figure out what their actual mission was, like, what are they doing here? I was pretty blunt about it, obviously in the clip we had earlier with Rocco Solano and stuff, but yeah. Um, just you know trying to figure out what are they actually here for and like there's many levels of sort of duplicity and in a lot of parts of it so it was fun to to play around with
1: and that worked there was another red herring which was the the illusion the solomon kane thing Mm -hmm. so that was actually the real name of the ship was the werewolf there's all kinds of other interaction you could have done with them and um no, we just didn't get to it
6: but but that's I think cool. I tried I like... to
3: kill them at one point didn't I throw like a concussion grenade or something into the ship's engine and try to blow them up on the launch pad or I think I don't remember what happened with that
1: I think you're conflating it with some other adventures that we've done before and after that right that. okay you're um right. we never really did anything against them I, I think I think you talked maybe about doing something and we started to run sensor scans and that's right run into them but then other stuff happened and we were like we gotta move on just with our time restraints but sure. there's always more around the corner. A lot of modules don't do really well with giving you enough stuff outside of the the main line of the plot or maybe giving you too much stuff outside the main line of the plot and this yeah. one really walked the middle line of they're always maintaining a great sense that there was more going on that you didn't you know that there that the world seemed more immersive that there was there was stuff outside the edge of vision going on, but it was pretty easy to steer towards what you needed. Thoughts on cool. that, Sarah Cool?
2: I, I like that. I think it's cool. I felt immersed. I felt like we had things to do at all times. We had mm-hmm. I we had choices as characters. I didn't feel railroaded. Yeah. Um, so it had more of that open world feel. It definitely felt like there was a universe that had been thought out. It was good.
1: Yeah. I really felt like a lot of the time the players were like in the driver's seat. They were like, well, we should do this. And it was stuff that the module had um, anticipated, but it never felt like I was hurting you, let alone putting you on the rails. So this module, if you're writing a Star Trek module, this is a great one to look at. It really walks that line really well of all this cool stuff that you really want to happen does happen. But it doesn't feel forced or um, like, uh, yeah. You don't feel like you're railroaded into it.
2: Did this have maps or so many issues? maps? It did. And how how big was it? How many pages?
1: the The full module is uh, it's forty eight pages. Okay, not bad. And it gives you some info on like your ship, so it, it provides a, a ship, um, you know, in place of the Vera and. PCs that you might want to use, all that sort of stuff. Many of these modules pr- are like ready to run in that sense. But, um, but then it says, if you have your own ship, just use your own ship. It has maps mainly of that compound, as we said, the compound where it was like the new mansion that they're Cup building, which was actually yeah. It has a map of the whole planet, which Ooh. you don't really need, but thank that God cool. I love it. Like yeah. now I it's know nice kind background of what the pl- lore. If the if the if the players ever wanted to know more about the planet, you have it. If you ever want to do more with this with this uh, planet outside the confines of this module, you could use it. There's maps of the High Market, maps of the Shadow Market. Um, you know, there's there's all the sigils of all the different families are in here. When you have the um, the Wilderness Crawl, right? You're going up towards the the mansion. You ran into an alien. There's several different alien creatures that they made up for this module and they're all cool and they all have info so we only got to play with one of them which is fine but um how great is that there's always a little bit more detail than you need a lot of uh like i said the map of that compound is it's got four levels and there's all kinds of different rooms um we just kind of glossed over that you guys found like there's a klingon who's one of the Who's like the connection, right? And you found his computer. He's the connection between the Kara family and the Klingon Empire. Um All the NPCs really work here. There's not too many NPCs. There's just there's the Klingons, the Kara, the Keros, the um the uh the werewolf crew. Yeah. It seems
3: like it seems like maybe this is your favorite so far, sort of like exploration of the the world of Star Trek outside of core starfleet worlds or klingon i mean it felt like that that way to me like this this felt very like wretched hive of scum and villainy you know background of star trek outside of the bright and shining starfleet or the like very grungy you know klingon but uh yeah i don't know
1: many planets in the show were frontier planets not everything was on the up and up they were mining planets so that in itself is not outside the norm of Star Trek. What is outside the norm, of course, is that there's no starship really in the thing, maybe until the very end. The idea of landing a craft on the planet is very Millennium Falcon or Firefly to me, um, and doing the trading. Well, not in a way I dislike. I like it. Oh yeah. But that's that is definitely a departure, a deviance. Um, And I would say the weaknesses of this are... So there was an overarching villain's plot that you were supposed to uncover. And we never really touched on that in the recap, what the actual plot was. So you stole the computer and had the details of what it was. The Klingons were propping up the Kara family to do some piracy. Not a lot of piracy, but just enough to force the Federation to intervene which would make the Federation look bad in the eyes of the Organians.
3: That's right. So, this is one of those tr- neutral worlds.
1: Right. Yeah. A little bit of a convoluted plot and not very, and it's kind of weak in my, in my mind. But there's no real smoking gun. It's just like we thought if we made you guys pirates and then you pirated, then the Federation would do this and that would make someone else do that. Mm, I don't know.
3: I mean, it's it, it, it's reminiscent at least of a classic sort of like proxy war kind of Cold War strategy of like, yeah. hey, here's this border that is, you know, theoretically not a part of our first or second world sort of order. And so let's sell them arms so that they then cause trouble for you. And then if you get involved in a war with them, then A, that makes you look bad and B, that saps your resources and we're making money by selling arms and on top of that you're creating problems for our enemies so i don't know to me that that seems to make a certain kind of like political sense yeah you
1: know well this is the 80s i guess it's very cold war inspired a lot of the movies around that time from star trek have that uh, sort of concept you know that sort of real politique but to me um it, it's it's become repetitive now. A lot of these modules have this conspiracy as the the thing to really uh, grapple with. Some villain has come up with some conspiracy to make someone else look bad in order to gain some sort of um, political points lofty, or... yeah, some political points or to you know score a corporate objective or something like that. So that would be that would be my number. That would be one thing where I would criticize the module. If in in all the glorious variety of Star Trek plots from the shows, which are sci fi concepts usually, um, that it's this is a just a little bit mundane. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
6: Mm-hmm.
2: Um. I want. I think. I feel like it's almost time for warp scores, since I feel like you're giving background for your score, but i will state that it makes sense for somebody at our level to be doing a more mundane plot discovery right we're not on the flagship right we're not that high a rank it doesn't make sense that they would send us to uncover something that was so epic and heroic you know
3: Mm -hmm. not to mention they if they were they wouldn't be involving low life scum like Jorn the Demented Freak is a part of their, you know, mission.
2: Saying like we're still killing kobolds. We're not like killing a golden dragon yet. So I don't mind that. I don't mind that at all because the rest of it was so good and the rest of it was fun for me. Yes. These are these are
1: niggles. Yeah. And um I don't mind there being modules like this. I just think it's starting to get repetitive. And unimaginative. If if it starts to come up again and again and again, that's all I'm saying.
2: This guy wrote Prolescent. He did that beautiful yeah. description of the mountains and the shadows, and he—I'm in it. I love I it. I told
1: you right from the bat that I'm going to give this a super high score. Are you ready? So, score? so the, no, I got one more thing. Okay, okay, okay. One more con, and that's the the known universe feeling. You know what I'm saying? Where everything that you guys encounter in the module, it's Orions, it's Klingons, Tellarites, and Andorians the same like sort of like codified species. And it it sort of makes the universe and, and you know, you have the map where, you know, there's the Federation here, Orions, and Klingons, and, you know, there's sort of jockeying, there's the, the Organians, there's no new elements, there's no sense of, like, the wonder of the vastness of space and the infinite um, infinite diversity in infinite combinations idea that Star Trek has. So, again, a minor niggle, but I think we're starting to see a pattern of FASA's universe feeling small, to me because it's it it's a constant remix of the same elements
2: sure you this adventure could have been skinned with a, a bunch of different things i did not i agree with you on that Be, just because we're naming npcs we're saying they're in orion right? that's what makes it feel star Trekky. that's it mm-hmm. i as a star trek person or a star like the person in command of star trek Felt very foreign in this module. Mm -hmm. My character felt very foreign in this module because she was gonna, she had to conceal what she was and still lead a team. And then we were working with a group of people who did not work with the same rule set that I have from Star Trek, right? Or from Starfleet. So my prime directive and all of my directives don't apply to these people. So that made the whole thing difficult for me as a Star Trek player. Because I was operating in a more, uh, in, in, in not the ship environment. Yeah. I, I, I'm trying to say the exact same thing that you're saying. Mm-hmm. It, it did not feel like a Star Trek specific. If it could work in the universe. Sure. Do we see have precedent for situations like this? Sure. Have they done away missions where they're in disguise before? Absolutely. All of the above. I but say, time travel, think specific to it? Didn't feel there wasn't a hook that was super sci-fi. Is that what you're saying?
3: Yeah, Well, yeah. Um. Well, there wasn't anything truly new. Like, like we're it's like a retread of of existing property. Like you could have still Orions, but maybe introduce something truly like I don't know alien like part of what part of what was cool about this this series is that you you didn't always know what to expect every week and you'd get something like completely different this one i think doesn't have that element of mystery to it like it's a retread of all the same races that we've seen before and yeah
2: so these are we're playing the FASA modules right now yeah yeah were they all written they were written by different people correct
1: Yeah, we see some repeat authors for sure. But
2: yeah, were they written simultaneously? For example, like did this gentleman get to read or play the other modules that were written before he wrote his?
3: um, That's what we're gonna ask him when we get him on the podcast. Again, dear dear listeners, I don't think. (laughs) uh, Please get in contact with him. Because we now have a um, restraining order on us, uh, no contact, so we can no longer. <laughs> I don't think. I don't think they were uh, written simultaneously, Sarah Nicole. Or... I think.
1: I think probably there was a release schedule, you know, and they wanted to push out a certain number of product per year, according to whatever their con their uh, license permitted. And I think probably authors would look at the previous modules, maybe even play them before publishing their modules, and I think that accounts for some of the similarities.
2: Right, or or they could have been given the same du- directive yeah. from whoever was commissioning these. Right? Yeah,
1: well, there's a sense of a school of thought in that in that sense. Um, I think I think one of the reasons you would do something like this, publish a module with the word Orion on it, pictures of or- Orions, an Orion uh, slave girl with daggers, um, and Dorian's on here and stuff like that, is this would sell. You would know, looking on the rack, Orion's, you know what you're getting. You're getting more of the Orion's that you barely saw in the original series and you wanted to know more about. So so I get why, the, the, in terms of like the elevator pitch or the high concept aspect of the idea of the module, totally makes sense to me. I just think if when you find that spaceship and it's underground in their in their compound, there could be more... Some sort of like ah, uh, some science that is unique about it, which would make it more like oh shit, you know they're building a spaceship which can do this, you know, and they're going to do what with it? But it's just really kind of like well, they're building a, a pirate ship. I'm
3: like ah, ha, oh. With Klingon disruptors. Yeah, the
1: Klingons yeah. are behind it, and it's politics. That's all I'm saying.
3: All right. Feels a little anticlimactic.
1: We made we made a hell of a climax with uh with our um crazy Ivan business. Yeah, we did. loved that. We made a lot of the fun in the, in the thing, the cybernetics, um, the Green Orion trying to assassinate the traitor captain, and then you know seducing him, and then he said he seduced her back. Very Star Trek, and also by the way, very April. I think totally. <laughs> she did the exact same thing with Andora um, a couple times. Yeah, but hey,
3: it's how we roll around here. If you got it, flaunt it. All
6: right.
1: It. You guys know I'm I'm between a nine and a ten, so I want to hear your scores. Go. Wait, warp no? factor.
2: Is this your official score?
1: No, no. I'm going to go last.
2: Last. I'm, I'm between
1: nine and ten, and I don't know.
2: Oh, so okay. You, have you to- want me
1: to go first? I can go first. I
2: want you for the first time to go first, since you've already teased your answer.
1: Well, shoot, since we since we um, just covered all the cons, I'm going to give it a Warp Factor 9. It was a great module. It had uh, a lot of new elements in terms of trading and um, going around the planet wheeling and dealing. I did like that. There was... Um, intrigue among Orion families rivalry with another trader crew trade, both legal and illegal sabotage, brawling, investigation, infiltration, dungeon crawl, sorry, compound crawl <laughs> and spaceship combat. No matter how hard the players tried to throw the game off the rails and came up with their own stuff to do, it was no problem. Lots of maps, lots of random encounters, not a lot of chronology. Um, it can easily run in one session or two sessions. Um, I think the two sessions would be if you're really trying to get into the nitty-gritty of your trader crew trying to make a rigorous attempt at finding profitable cargo. but um, Or you could just play it the way we played it in one session, maybe one and a half sessions. So solid nine. Loses one warp factor out of the perfect 10 just because it doesn't have, unlike Termination 1456, where it had that mm, slightly more sci-fi element with the mind control drug that put it up to the 10 um but otherwise very very good solid nine highly recommend to anybody wanting to play it what do you say aaron
3: yeah absolutely i uh, go for a nine uh no problem if not the full 10 just in the sense that like as a player uh it felt directed but not railroady uh but also with a fair number of let's call them side quests to keep you interested so that you know we we tend to run into this problem where we have you know groups of two or three going off to do separate things and so you kind of have to sit and twiddle your thumbs a little bit while you wait for your turn but like there was enough to do and there was enough to go around that I never felt bored and there was a lot of variation in what was happening at any given time so. Uh, plus, of course, I got to play Jorn the Demented Freak, which is just a blast. Um, but yeah, there's a there's a lot of fun in this module, and uh, I agree with the 9 rating. Warp 9, for sure.
1: Boom. Sarah Nicole.
2: Um, I like it when you talk about it, because it sounds really great. And it sounds like it was written really well, and it sounds like it was really fun to DM. Was it my favorite? No.
3: But. I heard sure. that butt coming a mile away. Tell us why. Hmm.
2: I I don't know. Some of the things that you really liked about it are things that were maybe a meth for me. And I think it's maybe just a difference of opinion in the gameplay and what we like to do and what we don't like to do. Oh, well, that's and, allowed. Uh, yeah, so I think I'm going to give it an 8. And that's still a great score for me. Very respectable. And, um, just maybe not my fave, right? And can- it doesn't mean it wasn't a great module.
1: You can give it a lower score, Sarah Nicole. Be honest. You gave an 8 what? to the to the one with the horda. You loved that one. That was great. You gave uh seven
2: point a... five. <laughs> seven point five. I changed it. The horda one was fucking great. Everyone should All play right. the horda one.
1: <laughs> and see, I gave <laughs> that one a slightly lower score than you.
2: Much. Boo. But you're also looking at right. it from the DM's perspective. Right. And I'm looking at it just as a player's perspective. So I think i actually had some points in this where i was like "Ugh." Mm-hmm. right so let's give it a 7.5 for me but i'm glad that it was written so well and i wish that we had done some more stuff like pursued the other trader that one guy with his ship i wish we had dug a little more deeply into some of those other things I that's really a, wanted
3: to find a, out what the Orion with what, what they would have done if Jorn had like brutally murdered both of those other guys. I really, <laughs> I, I wanted like them to to like find him just like in inside their ship, just like covered in just like a, a Dexter style like just mess everywhere. I, I was like super curious to find out how that would affect trade negotiations if he just just mess those guys up really badly i never got to that was one thing uh, we didn't get to explore
2: sometime as a one-off adventure if you find a module that would support this phil we should all roll up an evil character or a bad guy character and do just one night of everybody being terrible Get it out of our system because it's not that fun to do all the time, right? Yeah. I actually
3: would like Jorn at some point to become like a quasi uh, antagonist uh, for the group. I think yeah. at some point, if he if he makes a real turn for the worst, uh, that uh, that he would make a great because there's a relationship there, and any antagonist is better if there's an existing relationship and you can and you can call upon that. I think that would be a blast. Totally fun. I have two two remarks
1: about that. Number one, I'm constantly trying to find NPCs which I can turn into PCs, have their roles taken over by PCs, because why the heck not? Why should it all be me doing it if the NPCs are heavy, heavily featured? I'd love to have you guys in on the action more. And the other thing is, in Star Trek The Show, there usually aren't antagonists as such. Most of the antagonists can be understood... Um, or uh, come to some agreement with, or, uh, yeah, they're, they're, it's a little bit more complex than that. So if we find um, Jorn basically functioning as an antagonist, it doesn't mean that he's, like, irredeemable or just needs to go um, to the hangman. You know what I'm saying? So I'm all, all about that. There might be yeah. some modules coming up where the, the Ryans are the main villains, and, and we can see about slotting you in for that. Or other NBC roles.
3: Yeah, I just I, uh, I foresee at some point him, you know, making the full turn to like complete mad scientist, and you know, there might be some point where the Federation decides that like this crazy experimentation that's happening out here, you know, in the Triangle is just yeah, it's unacceptable. <laughs> I don't know. I just uh, I it could be gonna, a lot of fun to play with.
2: I think we're gonna turn you good. Okay. Yeah. All, All right. right. Cool. Yeah. So we'll see, we'll see.
3: Yeah, mad scientist with the heart of gold.
2: I like it. Yeah, I like, I like a, I like a Snape. <laughs> Snape right? character,
3: yeah, antihero.
2: Mm-hmm. Hottie. Um, okay, there you go. There you go. 1.5. Yep, done. <laughs> audience, <laughs> audience. Audience. So that's much for listening to our sure. podcast.
1: <laughs> that's our review of Orion Rouge. We hope you like what you heard.
2: If you did, please subscribe and leave us. I I don't know what voice this is turning (laughs) into, but I'm kind of into it. Leave a a review wherever you listen to podcasts, because it really helps us out.
3: Yes. And be sure and sign up for the Patreon if you want to hear (laughs) John's full monologues, (laughs) not to mention all the
0: other great content. Do you want to name our next shuttle? That's fun to say is
3: shuttle. It's shuttle. very. I'm feeling very shuttle at the moment. Oh my gosh! Shuttlecraft.
1: Shuttlecraft. Shuttle craft. Shuttle. Craft. That. shuttle,
6: shuttle.
1: Okay. Oh, are... it was very shuttle. I we know Also, that...
2: wait, wait, the... wait, wait. We're yeah. so close to them, but Eric, you do the best Sean Connery I've ever heard in my Ooh, life. Oh yeah. I've been quiet this whole time. Look at he's so mad that I said it. Look at his face.
3: Doorway. I haven't done it in so long. Holy crap! Ah. Uh... Do you want to say? hear a joke, a riddle, if you will? What's the difference between you and a mallet with a cold? One's a chick duck. I don't remember how it ends, but your mother's a whore. <laughs> yeah.
4: Oh, gosh. I can't even, I can't even right now.
2: Eric just doesn't want to make any terrible on the jokes on the podcast. Anyway,
1: I. To both of them. Yeah. Um, email Eric at rpgpopclubgmail.com at and we'll <laughs> we'll read your email on the air if you want maybe that's maybe that's
3: another oh. patreon benefit is no, listening no. to Eric's uh, Sean Connery impression. Oh yeah. I will
4: read I will read your email in a Sean Connery voice on re- upon request. Maybe I'll even do it without your request. You just wow. Never
2: know. Wow. Send us an email and visit our website. Um hey, Phil. Yes sir. What, what are we doing next week?
1: We are going to um since T'Pru has her new command, we're going yeah. to uh, settle her in with a uh, we're going to do uh, another Hazards of Space episode. Just get used to our new positions on the ship, fly around the Lucani Drift, and
3: uh, do some Star Trek stuff.
2: How yeah, does that sound? Star Trek stuff. Amazing.
3: Are we... Be sure and tune in next week, listeners, for more Star Trek adventures dangers of space.
1: Hazards. Are we going to Are oh, we... Should we do a, 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 a hazards, review oh, of this? Because it's not really a module. We can review. just put maybe the gameplay up on, on the Patreon and, and move on to the next module.
6: Hmm. hmm.
2: The courts like,
1: will review the decision.
2: I guess I guess you'll see next week what comes out.
1: <laughs> okay. We will do at least a short recap and um and talk about our adventure because we know you want it. <laughs> and we're gonna watch the immunity <laughs> syndrome for this. That's another episode where they're flying around in space and there's a giant space monster that's going after them, and it has vulcans,
3: and it's great.
2: We like space monsters. We like vulcans. Hey, Aaron, thank you for being here.
3: Thanks for having me again. Uh, I appreciate it. This was a lot of fun. We love you,
2: even when you you (laughs) took
3: on. He had it coming. What can I say?
2: Sure did not. (laughs) Ten years. Ten years ago. Coming. Okay, that's yeah, fine. It
3: was literally like a decade, and it, it absolutely tattoo was his
1: dick and rolled a natural oh. twenty, left him a mushroom yeah. tattoo. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Dear listeners, yeah. I
2: apologize for Sorry, all the guys. humor in this episode. Yeah. Please still listen to us next week. We'll be serious. Yeah. I really yeah. swear
3: to God. Yeah, right.
2: we won't. It'll be exactly the same. So apologies. <laughs> hey, thanks for listening, everybody. All
3: right, guys.
1: Bye.
2: See you next week. Bye. Say hello to your mother. Nice.